Hey, hey, friends. I wanted to inform you guys that tickets are live for the Unashamedly You Conference coming in September. If you'd like a discount promo code for your church or to be an influencer for us, send over an email to U-Y-T-E-A-M, that's U-Y-Team, at unashamedlyyou.com, and we will set up your discount. We cannot wait to get you all in one room together, reflecting on all that God is doing through us and with us as women that are completely devoted to His perfect plan. This conference is so special in many ways, but being with like-minded people in one room is the most special part to me. I cannot wait to hug your neck. Space is very limited this year. Go get your ticket now so you don't miss out. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Unashamedly You podcast, a space to enlighten, encourage, and empower you to go out and unashamedly be who God is calling you to be. I am your host, Jamie Herndon. I pray you hear less of me and more of him as you listen to today's episode. Let's grow together. So excited for this week's podcast for many reasons, but the main one is because I know that after this, you are going to be empowered to go after something God is calling you to. We're hearing from someone today that has done several things, but one of the most being taking a small in-home business and turning it into a thriving company. I am thrilled to have her on here sharing her story with us today, Hannah, CEO of Mod Sportswear. Welcome to the Unashamedly You podcast. We're grateful that you're here and we want you to introduce yourself and share a little about you with us. Hey, Jamie, and hello, wonderful people. I'm so thrilled to be here. Like Jamie said, my name is Hannah. I grew up in Florida, shout out to all my Floridians, and moved to the Chicago area after I graduated from college. And I was 22 at the time, had just graduated with my bachelor's in business And I told my parents I was going to move to Chicago for three months, and that was 12 years ago. So they're still still waiting for me. Um, So yeah, I've I've been here for over a decade, and I live in an 1800s farmhouse with my Labradoodle Ace. You may hear her in the background at some point. She is the world's best papa. I'm part of a church plant here. It's called Eternal Buzz City, and we are set on being a discipleship movement, all about family on mission. So we've been doing that for a few months now and excited to see that community grow. I own an Airbnb in my neighborhood, so I get to grow in the area of hospitality, which has been super fun. And I'm involved in politics. So I'm a zoning commissioner for my city. And then over the last few years, really, it feels like it's been a few years over the last several months, I should say. I've been involved in four different campaigns here in Illinois, serving as an intern or even as a campaign manager. So that's been quite the experience here in Illinois. And then for funsies, I am uh, on a travel team, a tennis travel team with my local club. So I play quite a bit of tennis throughout the week. So that's me in a nutshell. Wow. You are a busy lady. We are (laughs) thankful that you're taking time to be on this podcast and to share with us. And I'm sure that you have 
the cutest tennis wear since you own a modest sportswear. For sure. Yes. I got the hookup. <laughs> Definitely. That's awesome. I love it. So you do own a thriving sportswear company, like we already talked about mod sportswear, but we know everyone has a beginning story before they got started. So what were you doing before you started your company? Yeah. So great question. I would love to say I was interning with Donald Trump or something super cool like that, but I was working at a contract manufacturing company. So I was their inventory supervisor, which means I counted all the parts and told the purchaser if we needed more parts, uh, which is kind of hilarious because my personality is not set up to do a job like that at all. But that's what I did for five years. So I did that. And then at the same time, I started a company, another company called The Handmade Experience. And it was a holistic body and hair company. And the reason I started it was that when I moved from Florida to the Midwest, my skin and hair got so dry. And so I went into research mode trying to figure out how to, you know, get some moisture back into my body. And funny part is like, I'm not a researcher at all. Like I literally will die inside if I have to research anything longer than five minutes. But I started researching and I found some holistic ways to do all of this. So I started doing it for myself, just like apple cider vinegar, all of the things that you've probably seen on Pinterest, right? So I did it. It worked really well. And then I thought, wow, I bet I can monetize this. So yeah, I immediately started monetizing it and it was a precious time. So by the time Mod was conceived, I had had the handmade experience uh, going on for a couple of years. And so it was a... I kind of already had a lot on my plate when Mod came into the picture, but I was like, what the heck? What's one more thing, you know? So how did you get started with Mod? Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know that he didn't get there by himself. And that has been like the story of my life, right? Like I'm just the turtle on the fence post. So um, my story with Mod is kind of like my family story and my community story. So I grew up in a church in Florida where we wore only skirts and dresses. And so for the school, they gave us, and Jamie, I don't know if you went to private school and had to go through this, but they gave us these really billowy gauchos or culottes. It's like 39 square feet of material that you wore to play basketball in. It was a lot. And my mom was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not all about that. She's a little vain. So she went to Walmart and bought some men's basketball shorts and turned them into like really cool athletic skirts. So my sister and I were pretty spiffy looking. What we lacked in talent on the court, we made up for because we looked super cool. And so that was the start of the idea. So fast forward a few years, I have moved. My mom took her idea and turn it into a home business, not out of need for her because she literally took all of the money and gave it to missions, which I think is precious. And I love her so much for that. Um, but there was just such a high demand for it. People kept asking her. So yeah, she had this website and this Facebook page, which was primarily photos of her dog and had nothing to do with the skirts. And um, she started taking orders 
So fast forward a few more years, I come home to Florida in Christmas 2014. And my mom pretty much on day one took me aside and said, Hey, Hannah, you have your business degree. Maybe you can help me with this. I was like, yeah, sure. What's up? She said, well, how do I get less orders? I was like, ooh, I smell opportunity. (laughs) So she kind of began to tell me how she was getting so many orders and she was just kind of tired and ready to kind of ready just to take a break. So I asked her in that conversation if I could buy her business from her. And so she talked it over with my dad and they ended up gifting it to me. Um, so when I went home two weeks later, my car looked hilarious because I had like 30 men's basketball shorts just sitting in the back seat. Right. And like if I had gotten pulled over, the police officer would be like, oh, this is a weird fetish you have. So my mom taught me how to, she gave me some tutorials. <laughs> So like within like 48 hours, I didn't even know how to turn on a sewing machine to like, oh yeah, I've got this business now where I sew. So yeah, I went home and um, started sewing and realized pretty quickly, like within two months, this is a very manual way to make money. Like I am super involved in this process, but it was fine. Like I was like, this is cool. Making a couple hundred dollars each month. And then a customer ordered and they ordered a green sports skirt. And I looked in my supplies, like I don't have green. Walmart or Target had green. And so I called my mom. I was like, mom, what do I do? This customer wants green. I don't have green. She said, oh, we'll just email them and tell them I don't have green. What other color? And I was like, that's a lot of work for $32, mom. (laughs) So that was my first big obstacle with her business. At the time, it was called Apostolic Sportwear, which is a mouthful. And I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way around this, right? So that was my first obstacle. And so I was like, what can I do about this? So I went on this website I'd only heard about called Alibaba and reached out to, you know, you just sent out this quote. I, at this point, everybody knows how to use Alibaba. I'm sure 10-year-olds are ordering stuff from Alibaba. and One of the people wrote back and said, hey, I know you you want basketball shorts, but why don't we just send you the athletic skirts that you actually really want? I was like, oh, that's a way better idea. Like, that's how clueless I was and like naive I was. I was about to order basketball shorts, Jamie, to like solve this problem instead of just ordering like the finished product. That's hilarious. So that was hilarious. They had broken English and I had zero fashion design skills. And so I worked with them and somehow got hooked up with this world-class graphic designer in the Chicago area. Somebody in my network was friends with him, family member, and for a very nominal amount, he hooked me up with a logo, changed the name, gave me a website, gave me a color palette. And so pretty quickly, Apostolic Sportwear went from being like a home-based refabricated product to a finished product that, you know, we could just ship out immediately. So yeah, within nine months, it was kind of like a, a quick thing. And I feel like it was outside of my wheelhouse to do all of that, but it just points back to being that trail on the, on the fence post where everybody just kind of came along the side of me and offered their network to me. And it was beautiful. I love that. And that your mom was like, I just 
want to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do I get less orders? So this process was something that you literally get to Florida and you come home with the business. Like you went to visit your parents and you come home with the business in your back seat. So when you got home, did you doubt yourself or doubt this process any at all? You know, I should have. With my skill set and my lack of experience, there definitely should have been some doubt in the back of my mind. Um, but there wasn't. And I think it's because I'm optimistic, first of all. And then secondly, I'm just a very persistent person. Like if I come across some kind of obstacle, the idea of giving up is not even one of the options. So the answer should be, I should have had some doubt, but the reality is I just didn't. You said that if there was any doubt that you know, you just push through and that you keep being persistent. What about someone that get this business and then they're going for it, but they're not really sure exactly what to do. Would you give them any advice to help them build the way that you felt? Yeah. So I would say you have to go into that obstacle, knowing that there's something good on the other side. You have to know that, um, that obstacle is for your success and not for your demise. And if you frame it that way, your mind is open to some options and resources. And I would say prayer makes a, a huge difference. Like God will just drop into your mind, which person to contact or the next step to do. But it's really just a mindset you have to have of, um, I know the Lord is with me now. What's the next step? And you just dialogue with the Lord about it. That's so true. Whenever you know that there is a goal and you have something that you're going towards and you're working towards, then whenever you think about all that could go right, I think that's a lot of the problem with successful entrepreneurs versus non-successful. It's not so much as that everything went right for the person that's successful is that they just thought about all they were working towards the things that were going to go right instead of constantly worrying about the things that could go wrong. That's so true. That's so true. You have to imagine like, what could go right instead of what can go wrong. So during this process, do you have any breakthroughs, either mindset or hurdles that you had to go through? Any stories that you would want to share maybe whenever you were starting this entrepreneurial journey or as you were growing bigger into this that you went through? Yeah, I mean, for sure, because all of this was brand new for me. This idea of having a, a growing business and taking business to the next level. I had never done that before. I didn't have a lot of mentors in the industry. And so definitely learned some lessons the first few years. And so I thought of three breakthroughs, I would say, that kind of shaped Mod and helped Mod to level up. And the first we already touched on a little bit was the idea of obstacles. And I learned early on, I would say, the reason why I really kind of took the time to talk about the situation with the raw materials, not being able to get the color is because that was my first obstacle at mod. And in that moment, it kind of set a pattern of, okay, here's the obstacle. This is the first of many, what are we going to do about it? And so I would say, if you reframe obstacles to think obstacles equal advancement, when they do come your way, you don't go into fear mode or panic mode or anxiety mode. Because if you go into it knowing I have a heart of integrity and I'm in covenant with a good God, then you know for sure 
that something good is on the other side of that obstacle and you can lean into it. And so when we had unexpected turnover rate on our team or packages got lost or COVID happened or a flood happened in our shop, our team really got into this rhythm and this culture of saying, okay, this thing happened. What good thing is going to come out of that? And it's no longer just Hannah saying it. When our managers get together and something big happens, thankfully the emergencies don't happen so frequently anymore, but when it does happen and they do, and they'll continue to come, we just lean into it. And there's really a spirit of faith that uh, has kind of taken over whenever we have been like whenever we encounter obstacles. So I would say number one is to reframe obstacles and think advancement when you encounter them. The second one, I would say it's about team building. So when I first started the handmade experience, one of my mentors came to me and said, Hannah, the best advice I can give you, he called me for my birthday and left me like a birthday grant. He said, for your birthday, I'm going to give you some advice. I was like, okay. So he left me this voicemail. And said, you know, you just started a handmade experience. The best advice I can give you is to hire somebody before you can afford them and before you think you need them. And I totally ignored that just flat out. I was like, okay, thank you. So when Maud uh, came into my lab, I was like, all right, I'm going to do things right. I'm going to actually start listening to people and surrounding myself with people who have success under their belt. So I approached this girl in my youth group at the time I was a youth deacon. So I had some power there and I was like, Hey, I know you already have a really great job, but I can offer you for sure a 10 week job at $10 an hour for 10 hours a week. Are you in? And she was like, yeah, I'm in. So she signed this 10 week employment contract knowing that her job could totally be over in 10 weeks. Which I am forever grateful for her. And that's she like and, the the 10, 10, 10 rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 weeks, $10 an hour, <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> My team makes fun of me because I'm all about 90 day trials. And so anytime I really want to see if something's going to happen, I'm like, oh, we'll just try this for 90 days and then we can regroup. So Camry came along and I did probably what every entrepreneur hates to do. And I paused my visionary thinking and my big ideas for two weeks. And I sat up there in the office with her. And by office, I mean a guest room and trained the heck out of her, like showed her, this is where I order stuff. This is how we do packaging. Um, here are all the passwords and really empowered her because I was so tired of doing all that stuff myself. My, and I told her from the very beginning, like, Camry, the idea is I'm going to train you, but then also you're really sharp. You have a great mind. I just trust you to kind of figure out the rest of the stuff. Like you really should never need me because of the type of work this all is like you use your best judgment to figure out all of this stuff. So I delegated immediately. And I would say that was the best decision. And that just set the pattern for team building because every other person I hired after that, I kind of told them from the beginning, I'm not a, a manager and I'm definitely not a micromanager. So if you can self-manage, we're going to get along great. But if you need help, like this culture will drive you crazy, you know, because I'm like never going to check in with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say team building and delegating, huge breakthrough. And thankful that I had a chance to 
heed that counsel the second time around. The handmade experience could probably be some thriving company if I had listened the first time. And then the last breakthrough from day one, I knew that I I didn't want mod to have like this vanilla ice situation happening where it was a one hit wonder in the modesty movement and it just died out. I wanted it to be generational, right? Not like, like you and I right now, Jamie could break out into ice, ice baby. Like we all know that song, right? But we can't name a single other song by vanilla ice. And I just didn't want that. I wanted mod to be the go-to brand. I wanted it to be around for generations. And somehow I knew that came down to character. And one of my favorite quotes is by a coach, which my dad will probably love that I'm quoting a coach right now. And he said, ability may get you to the top, but it takes character to keep you there. And I don't know how I knew this, but I knew at the beginning, if this is going to be a sustainable thing, I have to have a culture of character here at Mod. And so from the very beginning, no matter if it was the way we treated customers to the way I treated my team members. I always thought like, how do I treat this person with dignity? How do I treat them with honor? And so with our customers, you know, obviously stuff happens, like they'll get stuff that's defective and we do what any awesome company would do, right? We send them more product. We tell them like, keep the old stuff, donate it. Also, here's a gift card and also come to my birthday party. Like we just, you know, we really take care of them. And I would say that's great. And I'm thankful we have that kind of customer service and that kind of reputation. But beyond that at Mod, we every single month take the time to pray over our customers. And we don't really talk about it a lot, but every single order that goes out, our, our shippers call that person out by name and pray a prayer of blessing over them. And then on our manager's team, once a month, we choose somebody who's ordered that month, each of us individually, and we pray a prayer blessing over them. And then each month we find somebody that's ordered with us and we do a random act of kindness for them. And it's not to at all like toot our own horns, but we really want to honor these people that God has connected us with. And we want to be more than just how many skirts can we sell or how big can our brand get, but how can we infuse the kingdom of God into this community God has gifted us with? So character really shows up in our community. And I would say my team, you know, for all of my quirks and 90 day trials that I try to push on them, I, I will just say, they know that I love them. They know that I value them when they talk. I genuinely listen. I'm not just hearing their words. I really listen to them. I am outrageously generous whenever I possibly can when it comes to bonuses and other ways that I can be generous with them. And I would just say from the very beginning at Mod and then all the other companies that I start, the character and how we, how I treat people will always be the number one priority. That's amazing. And I've never even heard of another business doing that. So that's just super special, honestly, what you have going on at Mod. And how old were you whenever you started the company when you come home with that business? Uh, 26. So young to just take over and just take this business and, and do I'm all. still young. I'm still young. For sure. How old are you? How long have you been doing Mod? Like eight and a half years. I'm 35 now. I hope my math checks out. I know for sure I'm 35. 
(laughs) (laughs) That is so awesome. But just to take that business and see the success that you've seen and to be able to grow it so quickly and so fast, it's just absolutely amazing. So you are a big dreamer. Obviously you've got a lot going on. You started other companies. What did you dream of being as a little girl and how has that played into the line of work that you do now? Uh, So I grew up in a rural, small town, like we're talking 2000 people, went to a big church in that town. So obviously my dream growing up was to be an evangelist wife, right? (laughs) Well, you're still in a ministry. (laughs) For sure. I like as a high schooler, I even dressed like an evangelist wife, like the long coats, did the big hair, like that was my thing. In elementary school, I wanted to be a cosmetologist, like a beautician, which is, I don't know where I got that from because in my church, you didn't cut your hair or wear makeup. So I don't know why I thought that made sense, but maybe all the colors appealed to me or something. I don't know. It's kind of two totally different things going from an evangelist (laughs) wife to the beautician. (laughs) For sure. Um, And then sometime in my childhood, I remember telling my dad, dad, I want to go to Harvard and become a secretary. And he really got a kick out of that. Like he, he turned to his friend later on in front of me and told him my dream. And when they were laughing about it, I realized like, oh, I don't know why, but somehow this dream is silly, you know, and I just kind of left it there. So Funny, weird dreams as a kid. That's funny. I like hearing sometimes what people dream about and what they're thinking about as a kid, because usually if you're, even if you're dreaming of something that doesn't play into what you're doing now, whenever you are a dreamer and you're thinking of things and you're wanting to be things, usually those grow up to be entrepreneurs. I would say, um, so in high school, right. I told you I legit really did want to be an evangelist wife. And then after high school and even after college, I'm really sad and embarrassed to say I didn't have any dreams. I wish I could say I did, but I, I think I thought life was just going to happen to me and all would end up well. And it wasn't really until mod started where I was like, Ooh, this is what I was meant to do. And something unlocked inside of me. And after that, I've become a world-class dreamer where literally I drive people crazy with all of my ideas. So yeah, I'm really thankful for that. So Mod has went so far in these past eight and a half years, but where do you see it going in the future? I mentioned before, I am optimistic and pretty persistent. So in my mind, Mod has nowhere to go but up and out. Right now, Mod is focused on penetrating a new market. Uh, I'm working with a couple of people in Canada to start a Canadian warehousing there And the idea being like right now we ship globally, which is great, but people have to pay so much money in import fees and shipping fees where eventually I would like mod to be in a lot of different countries so that consumers have accessibility and they can very economically purchase modest sportswear. So that's one of our focuses. Another focus right now in the pipeline is uh, we have two products about to come out. And we're excited because these are products that are, are less sporty and more just life wear, which our customers have really been hounding us for years. Like, this is what we want. So we are so excited. Like yesterday, we had a team call talking about these products and 
I don't know which one we're more excited about, but we're excited to release these. So there's that. And then I've had something in my mind for a while now about having a gathering of sorts for our community, right? Because there's so many women, most women, especially in Christianity, that if they're not doing something, they don't feel worthy. And so in order to chase some kind of value or worth, they they catch themselves in a cycle of doing. And just to kind of gather these women in a room and to take time, like, hey, let's just connect as sisters, as family. Let's hear the father tell us that we are his beloved and he's pleased and delighted and just our beings and not doings. And then because I love to laugh, I have this idea of just having like hiring some stand-up to like make us laugh every night because I just love to laugh so much. But so that's really on my heart. I feel like Maude has attracted this beautiful community, but something I have sensed in this community are just these lovely women who work so much. And I just would love for us to kind of be reminded by the father that our being is, is enough to him. That's so good. And a lot like unashamedly you community, just unashamedly going after and being what God's calling you to be and not feeling that pressure of what everyone else is called to be. (laughs) You're able to be who God is calling you to be. Um, And so that community sounds a lot the same. So someone sees a need and they have a dream of doing something. Obviously you are no stranger to seeing a need, picking something up, running with something, and going after it. So what is some advice that you could give that person? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, just go for it. There's a lot of macro pieces of advice I can give and some more micro on a macro level. I would say, continue to build your network. I heard a rabbi say a couple of weeks ago, your network is your net worth. So continue to build your network while you are making your dreams come true. And then secondly, be really, really intentional with your time. Make every single minute count. And for some people, this comes really easy to them. And then for other people, the idea of writing down anything in a planner, like their soul hurts inside. And so, but if you want to be successful, you're going to have to learn some disciplines like that. So be really intentional with your time. Become a reader, like start devouring books. Maybe your culture is not a culture of reading and books, but... That's just something that you're going to have, I would say you're going to have to learn to develop and then prioritize. (laughs) That was something that I had to learn to do because of my personality, I love to check boxes. And so on any given day, I would write down all the things I had to do and I would just do all the easy things, like the things that came really naturally for me, especially if it was anything to do with marketing I'd be like, yes, Instagram post. But then if it was like, send over order to manufacturer because that takes so much thought. I feel like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Well, that was the most important thing. So that's just an example of when you're pursuing your dream and writing down things, like circle the ones that are most important and focus on those things. Because if you do those things, that'll move you forward to your dream. Such good points and such good things that you have given us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. And do you have any last advice that you would give to the unashamedly you community, to the woman that is wanting to do God's perfect will for her life? Yeah, I would say like the world is your oyster. You have God on your side. You have a dream in your heart. You are able to do all the things. No dream is too big. 
And I would encourage you with all of these things is just to continue that dialogue with the Lord, whatever it is, seek him. Like God is the most creative. God is the most thoughtful. He's the best counselor. And so all of the ideas you have and the obstacles you have, you partner with God and just dialogue with him about it. He's your greatest resource in all of these things. Hannah, thank you so much for being on here and speaking into our lives today. We are forever grateful. And I know that so many women are walking away so blessed from listening to this episode with you. So thank you so much for being on here today. Thanks, Jamie. It's such a joy to be on here and bless you. Bless your community. If today's podcast blessed you in any way, go share it to your social media and tag us, leave us a review and subscribe so that you get the notification every single Friday when our new episode releases. Do not forget right now by sharing our podcast to your stories and tagging us, it's going to enter you in a drawing for a free ticket for you and a friend to come to our annual Unashamedly You conference coming up in September. So make sure to go put us in your stories right now. Give us a tag and a shout out and you're entered automatically. Thank you guys so much for your constant love and support in this space. God is calling you to something bigger than yourself. Go beat.